the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. The Wednesday edition the of The 81 degree edition. Shoo-wee. It is a beautiful day. Holy moly. The it is are such a beautiful day. But it's too warm for uh, October, isn't it? No. Right. It's never too warm like for it. October. I love it. But, you know, people are going, oh, I need my, you know, pumpkin spice cider or whatever. But you can't have pumpkin spice cider on an 81 degree. You're all, you'd be all sweaty. Have your pumpkin spice cider in November. What's the big deal? Okay, listen to this. I had, I was taking my car to the shop and I had to kill some time. And so I went and ate a little luncheon outside. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. Okay. After I'm done eating the luncheon. I walk. You have to walk in the restaurant to go out to leave. Sure. There are all these people eating inside, and I thought I wanted to go up to each table and say, "Excuse me, why are you eating? You realize that winter's coming, right? You real people get yourself outside. Get yourself outside. Were you the only one sitting outside? No, no. There were. I bet there were ten of us outside, but I bet there were easily four times that many inside. People say. Well, there's bugs out there. I don't want to get, you know, there oh, might be a bug. stink bug in my ham oh, sandwich. And, you know, that'd be a bug kill. Forget right? it. There was not a single bug. Or, you know, because you can't get like, what if there was like, you know, some sort of dirt in your dip? Something like that. <laughs> First off, that right? would be upsetting. Right. But okay. there was no dirt. in. Uh, first of all, I had no dip. What'd you have? I had a uh, salad with salmon on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what if you had like, you know, something like, you know, some debris, you know, next to your fish? There's a little debris in my face. Pull fish it here, off. You know? You're the one who covers yourself in bug spray nightly. <laughs> I'm just I don't saying. think you're too concerned about debris. I'm just putting myself, you know, in the, you know, the seat inside. Why I would choose not to go outside? Because it might be too hot. I'm, I'm eating my sandwich and I I'm mean, all sweaty. I think that's probably what it is. It's too hot for those of us who live without air conditioning. Then, who <laughs> care? I mean, tough enough, folks. What's the big deal? Toughen up, my I'm, friends. I'm indeed, I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, because the days are dwindling, right? So they you need dwindling. to get, get outside as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's also humid, though. I mean, it's like not just hot; it's a little humid. Right. The weather update brought to you I'm by just Kathy. saying, it is. Do you ever think you like want to be a, like a weather girl? Or is that is that probably not appropriate to say anymore? Weather? No, I don't think weather girl is like socially appropriate now. But thank you. Don't cancel me. <laughs> don't do not cancel me. Gr- we're going to put a green screen back there. I, in I our just next had a little studio. blip there. Kathy's yeah. the weather. What the is weather, she? The She's the meteorologist. Girl. Right. I'm not. What the if you're not the meteorologist? The Can weather you, woman. What about Kathy the weather, what about the weather boy? Mm, I'm the debris specialist in your salad. <laughs> uh, excuse me, waiter. There's some debris in my salmon. Oh my gosh! Um, hey, uh, the ride home is streaming live on YouTube at the word Pittsburgh. If mm-hmm. you'd like to watch the show. The word. Mm-hmm. The word look, Pittsburgh. you and I are dressed. We never talk about what we're going to wear. Thank goodness, because of course we have lives. We look like <laughs> Easter eggs today. Here's the problem. I walked in today and saw myself, and I thought, Oh, I think I just wore the shirt. <laughs> 
his shirt. Oh, that's the shirt he was wearing when we were sprees. Exactly. I'm sorry. I, then you got, oh, not like I'm monitoring see, a, my clothes. See, a girl can't do that. What? Like, if a guy wears has five shirts and he wears them, nobody cares. But if a woman wears that, right. it's like What's wrong with your wardrobe? Deal. Yeah. I've got like little wings today. It looks mm-hmm. like wings Very in my nice. shirt. So if you want to check out Cass' wings in my, you know, pre-worn <laughs> and my shirt. my humid hair. It's also, yeah. you know, it's a big hair day, John. Is it a big hair day for you? Uh, every day is a tiny little hair day for me, more and more so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what to, that's what you get if you check out uh, the YouTube, The Word Pittsburgh, and check out my non-hair, Cass' humid hair, and our fashion choices for the day, ladies and germs. What did I say? We looked like Easter eggs today. Mm, yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Without further ado, as we always do, Kath gets uh, the news stories today. Mm-hmm. So please, Kath, give us the top four at four. Okay. For Wednesday, October 6, 2021, mm. number one. The world has gained a new weapon in the war on malaria. Among the oldest known and deadliest of infectious diseases, the first vaccine shown to help prevent the disease. By one estimate, it will save tens of thousands of children each year. According to the New York Times, malaria kills about half a million people each year, nearly all of them in sub-Saharan Africa, including 260,000 children under the age of five. Can you believe that? That's amazing. The World Health Organization endorsed the new vaccine today, the first step in a process that should lead to wide distribution in poor countries. To have a malaria vaccine that is safe, moderately effective, and ready for distribution is a historic event, said Dr. Pedro Alonso, director of the WHO's Global Malaria Program. The vaccine, which is called Moskirix is not just a first for malaria. It is, are you ready? The very first vaccine developed for any parasitic disease. Parasites are much more complex than viruses or bacteria. Fabulous news. Number two. As the abrupt cutoff of foreign funding since the Taliban takeover threatens economic collapse in Afghanistan, risking the lives of many of its citizens along with their livelihoods, a U.N. agency has come up with a way to keep at least some of the money flowing. I'm reading from today's Washington Post, where they report that the U.N. development program, in a novel temporary fix, but better than nothing, plans this week to take over management from the World Bank of the system that has supplied hundreds of millions of aid dollars for essential health services throughout the country of Afghanistan and recent years, including, get ready for this, paying the salaries of at least 25,000 doctors, nurses, and other workers in thousands of hospitals and clinics who, by the way, since the pullout, have been working for free. Oh, my gosh. The payments and other operational support for health services were all halted when the World Bank, along with the IMF, the U.S., Europe, and virtually every other donor and lender, stopped paying the bills on August 15th, the day the Taliban Mm. entered Kabul. Number three. You'll laugh at this. It's not really funny. Glad I don't. But there's pressure. Several dozen Pittsburgh residents, mostly from the city's Oakland neighborhood, spoke in opposition to a proposed development that would require a zoning amendment. According to the Trib, the proposed 17-acre development called Oakland Crossing would include a neighborhood grocery store, a 25% increase in urban green space, and a pedestrian bridge stretching over the Boulevard of the Allies. The developers are proposing about 1,000 housing units in total. Many residents said during a public hearing yesterday that must have been a real barn burner, based on what I'm reading, that the developers were not working in conjunction with their goals and noted that their community planning process is still in progress. Some people also objected to the fact that the zoning amendment was introduced by the mayor. Other residents called for the developers, while not capital, to allow the community to finish developing their Oakland plan. Other people claimed the developers weren't going through a proper public process. 
The Oakland Planning and Development Corporation also objected to the proposal, arguing against making changes to the neighborhood zoning. No Oakland residents, not one, spoke in favor of the proposal during the entire public hearing. Not one. I didn't laugh. Not one person. Because it's sad. Not one person. So everybody was mad, but for a different reason. <laughs> Everybody's That's what mad. It is. Everybody's mad. That's what it is to do, public service. And number four. Now nearly 75 years after the death of gangster Al Capone, some of his most prized possessions are up for sale. According to CBS News, this Friday, Capone's surviving granddaughters, helped by Witherell's auction house in California, will sell everything from weapons to watches and jewelry. Their grandfather, of course, never convicted of anything more than tax evasion, but of course that doesn't mean that he was innocent. Widely believed he was behind the bloody St. Valentine's Day massacre in 1929, among other things. But nearly 200 items will go on the auction block this week, including Capone's prized gun. His semi-automatic Colt is expected to go for hundreds of thousands of dollars. His granddaughter Diane said, quote, This gun was kind of his protection, and I think it saved his life on a number of occasions, and so he called it his sweetheart. And so he carried this everywhere, she was asked. As far as I know, yes, Diane said. And that is your top four at four. Not weird. People interested in relics of the past of, you know, right. a murderer, basically. I'm sure that's going to raise a lot of money. Okay, listen to this. This is what his granddaughter said. When he came back from being in Alcatraz, he had gone through quite a transformation. He lived out the rest of his life trying to make amends, trying to make peace with God. Really? And he believed he had been given a second chance. Really? His second chance included uh, living often in loungewear at his Miami Beach mansion. When he died of a heart attack at only age 48, his wife was so grief-stricken, she covered almost everything in the home in bed sheets. And so all of that stuff that was covered in bed sheets is what is up for auction. So old pictures, china, furniture, jewelry, blah, 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 all of those things. Um, Now, people who are relatives of victims of his say Mm. this is blood money and we shouldn't profit from it. Nobody should profit from it. But the granddaughters say, look, I don't have any idea. Diane said, I have no idea if my grandfather was capable of murdering people. But I understand why some people have to consider his legacy tainted. Tainted. Right. But she said this. um, She said, What Diane Capone has seen, rummaging around, this is from the story, rummaging around the ghosts of her family's past is less about who Al Capone was and more about who she says her grandfather tried to become. Even someone who has been the kind of sinner he might have been, she said. The fact that he could confess and try to make amends before his life ended, that's the kind of hopeful, I think, for all of us. Of course, you can't argue with that, right? The nature of grace in our lives. But Even for somebody like that. But as if, as of Al course, Capone. if you had your grandfather taken away by Al Capone, you'd probably feel differently about right. it. Right. But if your grandfather was Al Capone, you'd say, that's my pap. That's right. not Al Capone, right? He's, not, right, a, right, he's right. not a murderer. Right. It's very interesting. It is. We'll take a quick uh, break. When we do come back, we're going to talk about men. Are you submissive? Straight ahead on the ride home. W-O-R-D. If you're a believer, you have a dangerous enemy. His name is Satan, and Scripture says he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. How do you resist him? Well, it's about using the powerful defenses that God gives to his people. Make sure you know how to use the believer's armor. Join John MacArthur on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 W-O-R-D. It's time to break out to break through. The past year has been rocky for families across our nation. 
but your involvement makes a difference. Help Cornerstone TV pass on the hope of Jesus during our Breakout to Breakthrough broadcast featuring Canaan Bridges, Sean Smith, Matt Sorger, Jane Hammond, and Jay Gilbert. Watch Monday through Friday, October 11th through the 15th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Verizon and Comcast. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. It's no secret that the Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh real estate market have exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, For so long, it was easy to buy a house in our town. Really straightforward experience, but not so much anymore. Housing prices have really gone through the roof, and it's a seller's market. So if you're looking to buy, United Faith Mortgage is a great tool in your toolbox. Their direct lender advantage, really, it's everything. It gives you the necessary help and the best deal possible on a new mortgage. Plus, the family behind United Faith Mortgage, they're open about their faith, and it's evident in how they live and especially how they do business. Hundreds and hundreds of happy people living in their dream house because of the excellence of United Faith Mortgage. Look online. United Faith Mortgage. It's a good family doing the right thing. United Mortgage Court, Melvin, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Don't let bees buzz off your customers. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. People say, well, you know, you shouldn't talk about uh, death and taxes at parties. You shouldn't talk about, you know, people's uh, intimacy. Well, one thing you don't want to talk about at parties, would be a conversation stopper, is the word submission. Hmm. Right, I mean that word. So, and at, a, at a Christian party, for sure. Oh my gosh! I mean, at if you Christ- talk to it in a secular party, everybody'd be like, "What? What do you? What's? Huh? Yeah. yeah, all right." In Christian the, circles. Whew. Yeah, if you show up at a party and all your friends are believers and you bring up submission, uh-huh. that divides the crowd yep. pretty quickly, does mm-hmm. it not? Michael Kruger's with us, president of Reformed Theological Seminary in Charleston, North Carolina campus. We also serves as professor of New Testament. Michael is the author of multiple books, Surviving Religion 101 and Christianity at the Crossroads. He wrote a piece at the Gospel Coalition, which we love, called Men, Are You Submissive? Hey, Michael, welcome back. How you doing? Well, hey, good to be with you. Thank you. Well, Michael, you're just stepping into it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I picked the most uh, controversial word in the Bible to talk about in one article. So, yeah, I've, I'm not everybody's favorite today, probably. I mean, no. good grief. You could have talked about hell and gotten less blowback. Um, I think so. Yeah. Or vaccines. Yeah, or vaccines, right. Of Which course. is also submission. Yeah, but that's another thing we <laughs> can is, talk yeah. about later. Or perhaps maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Anyway, um, okay, Michael. So, 
Um, for those of us who are in a Christian circle, the idea of submission is something that's regularly talked about, especially in social media right now, because of a lot of things going on in uh, particularly the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, for those people who are listening to the program who are outside the church and think, what is the deal with submission? Um, Michael, try to give them a snapshot into why this is a subject that comes up in conversation for people that read the Bible. Yeah, so when you read the Bible, you can't avoid the fact that God calls people to submit to whatever authorities are over them and in their life. And the unfortunate thing that I try to address in my article is that usually submission conversations focus on just one passage, which is wives submitting to their husbands. And of course, we all know how controversial that is in our culture today. And there's a time and a place to dive down into that passage and talk about what it means. But the article I just wrote for the Gospel Coalition was trying to address the reality that, that, hey, that's not the only group that's called to submit to those who are over them. In fact, everybody submits to somebody. And so I point out in this article that all of us at some level are called to submit to those who are over us. And therefore, submission isn't a female virtue, it's a Christian virtue. And that's, I think, a missing dimension in the whole conversation. Right. But a lot of guys would go, and you know this, Michael, I'm not going to submit. I'm the man. I'm the head of it all, right? I'm out there paving the way, so people need to submit to me. No, that's exactly the attitude that's common today. And usually when wives look at their husbands and say, wait a second, you're calling me to submit to you as the person over me, so then why don't you submit to the person that's over you? And so even the husband with that attitude might just forget there's people he should be submitting to. He needs to submit to his boss at work. He needs to submit to his elders at his church. And, you know, certainly this also brings up submission to the government, which, which Paul plainly calls us to do. So, yeah, there's nobody outside the realm of submission. Everybody submits to somebody. Right. And, of course, the uh, verse that precedes Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, is submit, therefore, to one another. So that's the, uh, that's the umbrella verse, right, uh, amongst wh- where we should be reading everything underneath it from, in that understanding. Yeah, so Ephesians 5.21, of course, is controversial in its own right, and there's lots of debate about it. Um, but I take that verse to mean that everybody tell us, to Tell be, us about what the debate is to, about 5.21. Yeah, some some people think 521 perhaps is uh, a way of sort of negating what follows, meaning that because of 521 and, and, and believers submit to one another, therefore, you know, wives don't really submit to their husbands and so on. Um, and others take it as just a way of expressing that Christians are called to submit to one another as appropriate, meaning that you submit to one another whoever uh, in your life you're called to submit to. Um, and as I indicated, the Bible is very clear about those instances. Um, and, uh, and everybody has somebody in their life that they're under. And, of course, in my article, the, the example that I think ultimate about submission, of course, is Christ himself, who embodies submission. He was obedient uh, to his Father, even uh, even unto death on the cross. And so I think he's the perfect model of what, what submission looks like. Yeah. So, Michael, in the piece, you do, you do have this sort of diagnostic. Men, do you submit your spirit to your employer? Men, do you submit to your church leader? Men, if you're a pastor or elder, do you submit to your other elders? Men, do you respect the govern, governing authorities that God has placed over you? Like you're saying, right? Everybody submits to something, or you should. Otherwise, it just makes a mess. Yeah, so here, here's the thing that's frustrating. It's, 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 it's anybody who's in authority is, looks to the people they're over and says, hey, you should submit to me. And there's a little sense in which that, that's valid. But it's only valid if you yourself are modeling that in terms of the people over you. 
So this is the inconsistency I think that's so discouraging to people is it's one thing to call people under you to submit, but, but you ought to make sure that you're also modeling that to the people you yourself are under. And so the ultimate point of my article is that men ought to be the, the examples yes. of what it looks to be submissive. So if they do go to their wife and want to talk about wives submitting to their husbands, that's a conversation they can have, but they ought to make sure that they themselves are modeling submission in their own spheres so that they are exemplifying the very thing they're asking someone else to do. So taking the example of the person, whether it's the woman in a marriage or it's an, uh, someone in an employment situation who is on, let's say, the lowest rung, right? Um, if they're not seeing the next person willing to submit, then it's just a road of discouragement for them, right? There's, it, just, it, feel, it feels like it's not submission. It feels like it's some kind of, you know, like power game. Yeah, it can feel very disheartening when you're trying your best to submit to the person over you and they're not doing it to the person over them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the points in my article is that 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 can be demoralizing to people. But then the the, the other side is true, too. When you're a leader who submits to the ones over you, it changes the way you treat the ones under you. In other words, if you're a person who submits, then you realize how hard it is and you realize how Mm -hmm. weighty it is. You realize how much it takes. And so you are then more gentle and more patient and more understanding to those who are under you. So one of the reasons that people, I think, treat the people under them in, in a way that's not healthy is because maybe they haven't learned what submission really quire, requires in regard to the people who are over them. And so I think submission changes us. It makes us humble, and it makes us treat people differently, um, when, even when we're uh, in a position of authority over them. Yes. Michael Kruger's with us from Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, Michael, so here we are in this really contentious age that we live in. And instead of Christians submitting, right, a lot of Christians are raising their fist and they're saying, not me, I will not surrender. And so the watching world sees us and we set a poor example as the witnesses of our faith by going against the directors of the government. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things I point out in the article that I think is, is, as you indicated, is a flashpoint today, submitting to our government. Um, I didn't mention in the article on purpose any particular issue um, or any particular law because I didn't want the article to to sort of get distracted with the particular debate over this issue or that issue. But I think most people reading it, most people reading it are probably going to think about all the things that have happened the last year and a half. Sure. And all the issues with what the government asks people to do and how Christians sometimes are the ones who say, hey, we're not going to do that. And certainly in the article, I wanted to avoid the particular debate over this issue or that issue. What I want to go back to is, are Christians really taking seriously the call to submit to the government uh, that the Bible lays out? And, you know, submission is not just something we do when we agree. I mean, if that were the case, it wouldn't really be submission at all. Um, Submission is sometimes something you should do even when you disagree. And you, sometimes you do it even when the authority you submit to is imperfect. Um, and I think that is something that we see throughout the Bible, and that's something I think people aren't taking uh, maybe as seriously as they ought. Amen. Okay, so if you do submit, and I, and I think sooner or later, everyone submits in one way or another. When you submit. Right, when you do submit. So how does submission change us? Yeah, so I think when you submit, what you're basically saying is I'm entrusting myself into the hands of God. And you are saying, if God has called me to submit to this situation, then I'm going to put myself in his hands. So it increases one's trust in the Lord. You rely on him and not on, on, on human strength or human power positions. The other thing it does in terms of changing you, as I hinted at a moment ago, is that it actually makes you think differently about those that you're over. 
Um, it's easy to throw out commands and throw out orders kind of lightly and frivolously when we don't really register how hard it is to follow sometimes. But if you're a follower, then you realize how hard it is to follow. It's dying to oneself. And so that just changes the leadership style. I wonder if some of the leadership style we're seeing in churches today is, is, is perhaps due to the fact that our leaders themselves haven't learned how to submit, and therefore they're not leading in a way that shows the humility that that, that, that brings. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that submission now, if we're talking about it in a governmental sense, um, people only are comfortable submitting to leaders they like. And they That's don't exactly want right. to submit to the leaders they don't like. So whether it's the other party or whoever it is, they're all about mm-hmm. submitting to their own guy. So popularity submission. Right. Yeah. And so here, here's what happens to the watching world. You know, Christians are the ones on the one hand that are sort of complaining about how we live in an anti-authority age, how we live in a culture that doesn't, you know, sort of uh, acknowledge the authorities over them. And we, we, we rightly say, hey, that's, that's not good. But then when the shoe's on the other foot and we're asked to be the ones that submit, I wonder sometimes whether we're doing that in the way that puts us uh, forward as the best examples. Um, and like you said, you, you can't just submit to the party you happen to like. Um, it doesn't work that way. It's curious. When Paul tells us to submit to the government in Romans 13, it's to the Roman government, right. which is <laughs> not a just government and certainly not a government that does everything well. And by the way, I also make the point in the article that, that the word submission doesn't mean you blindly follow whatever the government says. Sure. There's times when you have to not submit. If the government asks you to sin or the, the government asks you to do something that's dishonoring to God or, uh, or these sorts of things, and it, it, you, we wouldn't be obligated to submit. And, and there's also a place where you can also say, hey, I'm going to work for change. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's okay to file a lawsuit and say, hey, I think my constitutional rights are being violated. That's all. 100% fine, but you can't just simply say, I don't like this, and I don't like these leaders, and I'm not going to do it because I disagree. That's that's not in and of itself grounds for uh, lack of submission. I'm into that. Well, Michael, I thought it was a terrific piece, and I think that you've probably succeeded in making everybody mad who listened to this interview. <laughs> I'm sure I have. Um, Sometimes the pieces that uh, need to be written are, are yep. perhaps exactly no. the ones. Listen, that we are that, we, that's absolutely a truth. That's how that's how we think about things on the no, ride we home. Appreciate so we're, the perspective. We're really happy for your perspective. Very nice. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Well, thanks. Always great to talk to you both. Thank you, Michael Kruger. Uh, the piece is called "Men Are You Submissive." Michael's president of Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. He blogs regularly at his blog called Cannon Fodder. Michael Kruger. Take a quick break. Well, we big come news. back. Whole different time slot today. Does this make sense? That's next. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. 
You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Everything that we do in the office is to provide a comforting feel to you and your family. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We do value the time that you spend at our office, and we understand that you don't have hours and hours because lives are crazy nowadays. But we want to really make sure that the time you're spending with us is efficient and effective and works for you as an individual. Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. To be or not to be, if that's your pest question, get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Booze respects bees until they become a stinging problem for homeowners. Boo and his Bug Stoppers team can safely remove wasps, hornets, carpenter, and ground bees with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get a free quote today. When it comes to getting the buzz on bees, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. What makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination? Because they offer free battery testing and charging and reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99. And they've always got your battery solution. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, we'll see mostly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 61. Tomorrow, remaining warm with more clouds than sunshine. You can expect a brief afternoon shower for tomorrow. We'll reach a high of 77. Some sunshine on tap for Friday. Then it will turn cloudy with a couple of showers in the afternoon. Friday will reach a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's, nas- a- it's National Mad Hatter Day. Oh, really? That's what made me think of it. No. When you were a kid, did someone read Alice in Wonderland to you? No, I read it myself. Okay. Someone read it to me when I was, you know. Did that help? Not in the least. <laughs> I thought, I love my aunt, but apparently she may be a little tipsy. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. Mm How has it become such a classic? I have no idea. I don't think it makes any sense. And there are some things that are nonsensical that are making a point or what. I I can't figure out what the, I can't, I'm sure Lewis Carroll was a gigantic intellect, Oxford educated, good for him. Right. I think that. It's crazy. Well, we should have, like, you know, there should be like a. It's an a unpleasant story. Very much so. Disturbing. Yeah. And it's like the Brothers Grimm. I mean, holy smokes. Talk about disturbing. It makes sense. Yeah. So I, I'm sure someone who is, you know, involved in children's literature would break it down and say, Lewis Carroll was thinking this, and 
my guess is it probably wasn't a children's story. Okay, so you've you've heard like wives' tales about like it's about right, you know, LSD, LSD, or, or that, you know, yeah, what, yeah. or it or it came to him because right. of LSD. Ate a bad mushroom or something exactly. like that, right? Exactly. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But so how you don't it? let you have no affection for it. None whatsoever. Me neither. No. Me neither. I saw a play. I, it, so did I. I saw the same play. Oh, right. Did yeah. it make any sense? Did it? No. You knew going in you were in trouble. Yeah. And Just, then at the end, did you think it was clear? Nope. nope. Not in the least. Not, not even a little not. bit. Mm-mm. So don't read Alice How did Alice in Wonderland end to be like one of the Disney princesses? I don't know. Who was? Okay. All right. Does this make sense? The escape room. Oh. What oh. is that all about? Uh-huh. Look, mm-hmm. some dear friends of ours invited us to a, to the escape room yeah? experience. I did not like it. I, I was not, confused uh, okay. and like vexed the entire time. I just had no idea what was going on. And I let those go. If you're Columbo, go for it and figure. They go, what do you think, John? I'd be like, uh, let's get out of here. Let's let's move. Let's. I don't understand that craze. It's kind of like that game Clue. I despise that game as well. <laughs> yeah. I do. That just goes on far too long. Or generally... I just, I know people love the murder mystery yep. thing. I don't get it. Are you going to ask me what I think about the escape room? Oh, I'm sorry. Does, does it make sense? <laughs> yes! What, the I, escape room? I am upset because I've never done it because I've never had a friend to invite me. So you're lucky and I'm Wait, not. Wait, our good friends invited us. Where were you? Oh, I couldn't go. I died. Oh, oh, I also, uh, were... I do remember I was invited. I see. Mm. So there you go. Anyway, I would love to go. I'm so into it. <laughs> I am all about it. Someone invite me. I think it's a passing fad. No, you might I'm have into it. finding one. 101.5 WORD. This week on Insight for Living with Bible teacher Chuck Swindoll. Model genuine humility. Don't announce it. Don't be like the guy that wrote the book, How I Became the Most Humble Man in the World with 12 life-size pictures. Don't promote it. Just live it. Study the book of Matthew with Chuck Swindoll, Monday through Friday on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider nearby Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service and for their life's work. Geneva College believes that God's Word in its entirety is the starting point of all wisdom and knowledge, and their faculty are Christian scholars who are masters in their fields. Geneva has over 140 majors and programs in fields like accounting, nursing, cybersecurity, biology, aviation, engineering, and more, offering varsity sports, study abroad, programs and lots of club activities u.s news and world report ranks geneva among the top best value universities in the northeast but don't take anyone's word about the quality of a geneva education find out for yourself at a visit day where you can take a tour sit in on a class and meet faculty you can register now for any of geneva's visit days including open house events in october and november and stem day on october 22nd register at geneva.edu visit that's geneva.edu visit Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course we have great eats inside too, with lots of pumpkin creations. 
pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. We were just talking about uh, Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and how confusing that is. Like ridiculously so. Well, what about the Tower of Babel? That's Speaking very, of confusion. That's confusing too. Right. I, I know that that could be a pun because the whole thing is supposed to be confusing, but I, I'm not sure I understand that story. Well, good. I'm glad you don't because we have a biblical Old Testament scholar with us. Dr. Tremper Longman is with us. He is the distinguished scholar, professor emeritus of biblical studies at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California, here to speak to us about the Tower of Babel. Hey, Tremper, how are you doing? Hey, great, John. Hi, Kathy. Good to hear from you, Tremper. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're in Genesis 11. Um, Just to kind of set the stage, um, the flood has just happened. Um, And so the the people who, uh, the the families of Noah's sons are now being scattered across the globe. And now we come to the Tower of Babel. And the 11th chapter of Genesis starts by saying, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. So tell us the story and, and... Help me to get it. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, sure. So the story begins, as you say, where the whole world has one language and a common speech. And uh, and you might notice in the previous chapters, uh, as judgment has come on sinful people, he has been scattering them. And I would suggest that's not only a punishment, it's a little bit of a re- uh, redemptive move as well. Uh, partly based on the idea that when sinners get together, it doesn't help the sin problem. You know, it only in, increases it. And so, um, so, but they have decided to come together and uh, build a tower that reaches to the heavens. Now, what seems to be behind this story uh, conceptually is something called a ziggurat, uh, which is a stepped pyramid that they used to build in ancient Babylon. And Babylon's relevant here, of course, because the uh, uh, Shinar is another name for Babylon. And, and then later they're going to talk about naming the city Babel. Um, so, so they're coming together and, um, and, and whether it's to be seen as kind of an assault on God, but it's, it's an act of incredible, pride as they want to make a name for themselves and want to reverse the scattering and get together. And and God looks down and sees this problem, and he, uh, he then determines uh, to judge them by confusing their languages. Um, and, uh, and, and before, when we talked about Cain and Abel, and you can see this in the flood story, too, you have this uh, typical four-part 
structure of these stories, which begins with an account of a sin, followed by a speech by God about how he's going to judge them, and then the execution of the judgment. And typically, though, there's an exception in the Tower of Babel story that I want to talk about at some point, why there's an exception, uh, of a token of grace. So God gives Adam and Eve uh, clothing. He gives, uh, you know, he gives, um, he puts a mark on Cain to keep him from violence. He preserves Moses and his family as a token of grace, which indicates that I'm going to continue to work with you. Uh, but there's no token of grace in the Tower of Babel story. <laughs> uh, but I would suggest that part of the grace is shown by the fact that he doesn't completely confuse human language here. He doesn't make it impossible to communicate. He just makes it harder um, as he divides them up into languages. So interestingly, the chapter before Genesis 11 is an account of the peoples of the world, the descendants of the sons of Noah, and they're divided up, it says, um, by their clans within their nations, each with its own language. So uh, even though Genesis 10 comes before Genesis 11, uh, it chronologically uh, should follow, but I think it's being put in Genesis 10, partly because the Tower of Babel story has now set up the call of Abraham in Genesis 12, mm. 1 through 3, okay. which means that, because that's, that's the real token of grace. I think Genesis 1 to 11 has this worldwide perspective. Uh, humans keep sinning. Yeah, so humans keep sinning, Tremper, and then God steps in, and there's a judgment there's also, I really appreciate you mentioning that there's, there's a moment of grace in each one of those stories. But you feel like with Genesis chapter 12, which is the call of Abram, that's where, think, that's kind of like the next section of Genesis? Absolutely, Kathy, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a God uh, addressing the sin problem in a, in a different way, um, calling Abraham to become a great nation, uh, not only to bring blessing on his descendants, but on all the nations of the world. Right. So then, Trevor, then the idea that God divided us by our language in some way, that's a reaction to our sin, is what you're saying, yes? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, I, I think the idea is that it, it, it inhibits uh, human communication so that we, uh, it makes it harder for us to kind of plot against God. I think that's the the idea behind it, um, I, yeah, I think it also kind of shows our limits and our uh, finitude as we struggle to understand each other. But, you know, it's not impossible to understand somebody in another language. It's just really hard. Right. <laughs> sure. Awkward. Okay, but let me ask you another question, Tremper, which is that in the text in the Tower of Babel story— um, it says, so, you know, God came to see the city and the tower that men were building. This is verse six. The Lord said, if as one, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So it almost gives the impression to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, which is me, <laughs> like, like God is afraid that his power is going to be infringed on. Like that they're going to be so powerful, I have to go... And mix things up. Right. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, here I would appeal to the power of storytelling. Um, and, I mean, God is in control. He can confuse their language. I mean, he, he, he and so, um, so it's not a matter of him not being able uh, to do something that would limit their power. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very similar, say, to the end of Genesis 3, where um, God says, oh, let us kick them out of Eden, otherwise they're going to eat from the tree of life kind of thing, as if if they ate from the tree of life, they would somehow escape God's judgment. I, 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 I don't... I don't think it's possible for them to escape God's judgment. Right. But. So it's more Trevor like like this. It, like we have this. Hopefully, is not a surprise to any of us. But I think it, it deserves saying that us reading this. This word is intended for every human being, but it was written by someone of a particular culture at a particular time. Yeah. So us being outside yeah. of that time period and from a different culture, we have a hard time entering into what this what this storytelling sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and another aspect or another indication of that is what we might call, well, what theologians call anthropomorphisms in the text, where... God is being described as if he's a big human. Uh, that happens throughout Scripture when it talks about God's powerful hand or, mm-hmm. okay. you know, uh, but, but also in these Genesis 1 to 11 uh, stories, God is walking in the garden. He asks, where are you, uh, Adam? Um, you know, we know from the rest of Scripture that he's omniscient and a spirit, but uh, these stories are depicting him in this way because God is so much greater than we are. It's, it's, uh, it's pointing to true things about God, but you have to be a little careful not to take that language too literally about God. To and, diminish God in some way, right? Now, to so, diminish God in yeah. some way, so, yeah. So, Trumper, as we talk about uh, the Tower of Babel, and of course our time is very short here, it's interesting to me because, you know, for people who never read the Bible, they but they, they know something about the Tower of yeah, Babel. Story, and now, right. of course, you know, Babel is a um, yeah. it's a language app, right? right? So, yeah, right, yeah. And so yeah. people know Babel just from that. So the idea of... It's interesting, you know, the um, the marketing behind the language app because they're using Babel in reverse in some way to learn a language to knit ourselves back together again, as opposed to separating us. Yeah, that's true. And I, on that comment, I would think uh, I would say that there's nothing sinful about sort of working against <laughs> these punishments. It's sure. kind of like when uh, God says to Adam, you know, you're going to deal with thistles and weeds and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like we can't de-weed our garden or, or, um, or, but, but, but it also indicates that apart from God, we will never escape, uh, the, the struggles and difficulties of being sinners living in a fallen world. Um, so, so, uh, and that's why that extended hand of grace that he offers in these initial chapters is that is so important. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Trumper, I'm sorry that our time is up. That's Dr. Trumper Longman, Distinguished Scholar and Professor Emeritus of Biblical Studies at Westmont College, Santa Barbara, California. Very Thanks, nice. Trumper. Thank you, Trumper. Hey, thank you, John and Kathy. Have a great, have a great day. Hey, uh, right, that's to... interesting, huh? Very much so.
The that idea was a deep dive babble. for people, but I, 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 I enjoyed that. Me too. Okay, we'll take a, a quick break. We were talking about the escape room. Oh, yeah. Does that make I any think, sense at yeah, all? Yeah, and it makes sense to me because I've never been in one. Doesn't make sense to me. Now, during the break, Christy said it does make sense to her. She's got a dating story that she's going to tell us next. Maybe you shouldn't combine dating and escape room. Talk about babble. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffitt forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. Drowning in IRS debt? If you can't afford to pay your IRS debt due to economic hardship, you can now be free of IRS collection efforts by taking advantage of a special IRS tax hardship program. This program allows Americans who owe the IRS to resolve their delinquent tax debt once and for all. In some cases, maybe even reducing what you owe significantly. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Simply dial 800-506-5493. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back or have years of unfiled tax returns, help is standing by. Just call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-506-5493 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-506-5493 to see if you qualify. That's 800-506-5493. Word FM presents our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Greentree. A free event open to all senior and associate pastors and their spouses. Come experience a day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker, Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 1030 a.m. Reservations are required. To attend, reserve your free tickets now at wordfm.com slash pastors. Are there no good men left? I don't think I so. I mean, seriously. Sir, I may have gotten We've lost. got Christy in here. She's fabulous. I she mean, sure is. A plus, A plus. But she has a list of terrible dating stories. We were talking about the dating room, right? Or not the dating room. Not the, da- <laughs> the no, it's dating called the room. escape room. The escape so if room. it's a bad date, you would want to escape. Right. So you went to the escape room, Christy, and what happened? So this was a triple date with my best friend and our uh, other friend that we used to work with. 
And we went to the escape room down the south side. Okay. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. We paid for like the six of us. We paid probably close to $300. Cha-ching. Whoa. Yes. So I don't know what that, whatever. Do the math for yeah. all of us. Yeah. Um, we went, we went to dinner and then we went to the escape room. We were late because dinner on a, on the south side. Mm, right. Yeah. We were like five minutes late. The other people that, the two people that didn't go to dinner with us had to go in by themselves to start because you can't be late no so on the ticket it says you can be 15 minutes late we were five minutes late and they had they told them they had to go in and start the room without us could you go in we eventually when we got there and signed the the waiver right and yeah but then so they found the first clue clue, and it just progressively got worse Oh, no. So you had to go and I don't remember exactly what the room was, but there was a computer. The computer didn't work. So that was like where the, the next. Yeah, that's where the next clue oh. was in the computer. Oh, no clue. And the clue wasn't the computer wasn't working. It just it was technology. So we're like waving to <laughs> it was not Apple. I'm an Apple fan. It was an HP. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> so we're waving our person down. She she gave us. An extra minute. This was a five-minute debacle. We lost five minutes mm. because this computer wouldn't work. So we finally get the key, uh, the next clue. We go to the whatever. There's like five clues, right? So we're sure. on the last clue. It's in a safe. The safe doesn't open. The keypad doesn't work. No way. So like the escape room wasn't even. It like wasn't even. Retro- it wasn't working. It like right. needed a retrofit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or so, just an upgrade. Yeah, we spent three hundred dollars. We didn't get out in time because. Everything was broken. Okay, now let's get to the important question. How was the date? Well, that was like our, we had been dating a couple months. Oh, oh. so it wasn't a blind date. It was, No, it wasn't a blind date. It oh. was. Did that did that further your relationship or did it deter it? He didn't even participate. See, that's a deter. Oh, that's a deter. See, that's a sign. What, he just stood back? Yeah, that's and just sign. let us do it all. Oh, yeah. that's oh. lame. Well, that's why, you know, the relationship no longer that's has That's lame. What is wrong? A broken escape room and a non-cooperative date I'll makes t- for a bad evening out. I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's a dissatisfying story. Uh, it is. For many reasons. Oh, my gosh. Gentlemen, what's the problem? Step up. Would you please? If someone invites you to the escape room, would you please participate? Heck, yeah. Listen, I paid for it, too. He didn't even pay for it. He did buy our dinner. But oh, I okay. paid for the escape room, and that was more money than our dinner. Good riddance, I say. Ex- we're, we're moving on. Good riddance to we bad We are moving rubbing. on to somebody else. Man, oh. Okay, well, that, I, I don't know. When I think of, like, bad dates that I've had, I can't, the the worst date, yeah, no, this is true. My worst date did happen at it. I was going to say it wasn't at an event, but I think it was at an event. I went to a Renaissance fair. Oh, the, right there, right there is trouble. You guys, Renaissance you fair. guys, to this day, every time I hear the two words, Renaissance fair, yeah. I get this sick feeling right here. Did you have like a big piece of turkey leg? No, but there. first of all, you know it was 120 degrees <laughs> yeah. at the Renaissance Fair. And you were right? wearing, did they make you wear a burlap no, cape? No, but people were walking around in burlap capes mm-hmm. with the turkey leg, which yeah. made me want to throw of course. up. It was disgusting. And then they were speaking in cheesy, I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I know. People should, I know. But people are making their living. Look, I know. I'm sorry. Hello. Oh, hello. Welcome to my my I lady. How are you today? It's like, oh, please. It was the, it was the word. And 
they're always located far away from where you are. Right. So if you're going, you're going to be there for eight hours. Right. Or, or you take your kid. We went to the Renaissance Fair, and our kids were little. Please, can we have a sword? The swords were like 36 bucks a sword. We were like, guys, it's 36 we bought a sword for them to, to, for to the share. Piece. Yeah. Oh, and I bet course, they love that. Then, then <laughs> the sword broke midway through. I mean, okay, so look, in one segment, we've dissed the escape room oh. and the Renaissance Fair. That's why you tune into the ride home. Plus, Alice in Wonderland earlier. Oh, in the right. Heaven help us. We're in a little bit of a negative streak here. Are we well, not? It's, we're going to pick it up in the five o'clock hour. <laughs> Let's Stay go. With we us. can use a good laugh. If you know a joke, let us know. Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The high school shooting suspect in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is now in custody. The shooting earlier at Timberview High School in Arlington, four people were injured. The suspect identified as 18-year-old Timothy George Simpkins. Once again, he has been apprehended. President Biden's national security advisor holding talks with China's top diplomat this week. At a time of heightened tensions between the world's two largest economies, national security advisor Jake Sullivan will meet with China's top diplomat in Zurich, Switzerland. The White House said the talks will follow through on a pledge by both President Biden and Chinese President Xi to boost communication. It will be Sullivan's first face-to-face meeting with Yang since acrimonious exchanges between the two in Alaska back in March. Greg Clugston, Washington. Stocks have turned higher now. The Dow is up seven points. The Nasdaq ahead 44. This is SRN News. Don't let bees buzz off your customers. Get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, lock them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. I'm looking forward to a play date with my granddaughter. I can't wait to get together with my friends for a backyard barbecue. If you're 65 or older, you're starting to get back to doing things you love. Did you know even healthy adults 65 and older are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia? It's a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. 
Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13 valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Ask your doctor or pharmacist today about Prevnar 13. Learn more at Prevnar13.com. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit EKExcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at EKExcavation.com. Tonight, we'll see mostly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 61. Tomorrow, remaining warm with more clouds than sunshine. You can expect a brief afternoon shower for tomorrow. We'll reach a high of 77. Some sunshine on tap for Friday. Then it will turn cloudy with a couple of showers in the afternoon. Friday will reach a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. We've talked in the past about our love for the library system, Carnegie Library System. Oh, my system, gosh. How it formed us as young adults. How much time we spent there. Oh, my gosh. How I remember where on the shelves my favorite books were. Mm-hmm. Like I just make a beeline to that area. Yeah, the Dewey Decimal System, mm-hmm. right? The favorite librarians amongst us. Spending time in the stacks. The smell. Yeah. Just walking in. Mm-hmm. Just, Friday mm-hmm. nights at the library were a thing for me. Yeah. yeah that's a whole other story. Yeah. How about the Carnegie, the um, the marble steps? Oh, my gosh. Don't the, you love that? worn from millions and millions of people up and down those steps. Yeah. I love that. How about that room on the second floor, the big one? What's it called? Uh, pe- The periodical room. Is that what it's called? I think so. I don't know. I love that room. Oh, the whole thing is just fabulous. If you've not been to the Carnegie Library in some time, go back for a visit. However, I'm reading a piece here today. New York Public Library ends all late fees, allowing thousands to check out books in Push for Equality. Oh. Okay, here's the story. Now, wait a minute. Read that again. Headline is, New York Public Library ends all late fees, allowing thousands to check out books in push for equality. What? So it's going to. So if if we can't get our library book back in time. It's inequality. It's, it's inequality. Instead of just be, me being lazy. The New York Public Library announced it would no longer charge late fees on overdue books and other resources. You've got to be kidding me. And will waive existing fines in a move that will allow hundreds of thousands of people who've had their library cards blocked to again check out reading material. Quote, the move from the nation's largest public library system, which took effect Tuesday, is part of an effort to ensure that knowledge and opportunity is accessible to all, said Tony Marks, president of the New York Public Library System. Before the announcement, about 400,000 
New Yorkers' library cards were blocked. That's not a surprise, right? Because they owned fines of at least $15. And more than half of those people live in high-needs communities. Here's the deal. It's already free. It's, it's free. The library is free. Now, the fines are in place to ensure that the books come back. Right? Okay. Do you remember on the second floor of the Carnegie Library, next to the periodical room, yep. do you remember the room where you could check out vinyl Oh, yeah, sure, CDs? yeah. Okay. You know what happened to that room? It was rampaged. They had to close it. Right. Because Be- people just stole stuff and took stuff and never brought it back. So what do you think is going to happen to the New York Public Library? Pretty much the same thing. I mean, the f- okay, so here's the deal. Um, last year, the library system in New York City collected $3.2 million in late fees. But fines um, are going to be suspended now. Okay, so they're, they're, they're flush with money, the library system. They have an endowment big enough that they don't need the fines. I guess. And so... But look, as a kid, the lesson was be timely... I mean, for us growing up, you know, I remember the fine was two cents a day. Then for a long time, it was a nickel. I don't know what the fine is now. I remember it being 10 cents a day. Okay. I don't know what it is now. But the thing was, as a kid, it taught you, hey, there's a limit to how long you can hold on to this book because somebody else wants the book. So bring it back in time so everybody can share it and use it together. Right? So now that's gone. That drops the barrier. I don't understand. I hate it. I think it's I think it's a horrible idea. I don't understand. And I don't feel it's not that I don't want underserved communities to take advantage of the library. Of course not. I want everybody to be able to take advantage of the library. But one of the things that I think it taught me as a kid is that there is a consequence if you don't follow a system. Yes. If you don't follow a system, then you have to pay a fine. But it's an extremely small fine. So it's kind of teaching you that at not a lot of penalty. It's not like a $300 speeding ticket. It's on a small scale. They're saying if you don't follow the rules, then you have to pay a fine. So now what? You check out a book. The book never comes back. You don't have to pay for the book. Is that part of the deal? Because there's no fine. It's a horrible idea. So there's no consequence. It just taught you responsibility for something that was very precious. And you brought up a good point that I had not thought of, which tells me that probably I'm more selfish than you are. But you realized that as a kid, it was helping you to think that someone else wanted this. And so we're sharing this. Right. We're, sh- we're all Everybody in this community is sharing this book. And it's valuable. Right. It's valuable. And so if I don't bring it back, I have to pay a penalty because somebody else wants it. Right. And so- You'd think that those would be values, especially today, that we would want to encourage, is that we all need to share this. For the common good, you mean. Right. And and so if we're all going to share it, then we have to sacrifice something, which is that I can't keep it for 28 days if my the period of time that I've you know, agreed to is 21 days. Right. So I don't understand. What I don't understand is how you frame inequality around not being on time to pay for your library fine. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's just, you know, a spin on something is. that is ridiculous. In addition ridiculous. to the fact that if you're talking about underserved communities, that's absolutely, it's insulting to think that people in underserved communities can't bring a library book right. back. That you can't follow the rules I mean, like everybody there else. there are tons of people in underserved communities that follow rules and bring things back and are timely right. and are responsible people. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're you're watering down responsibility for what? Political correctness is what and it feels again, like. And again, what's happening? What's going to happen to all your books? Right. 
Okay, did how many books have you taken out of the library and lost? I don't mean we're late paying. I mean lost. Okay. When I was a kid in high school, I was like obsessed with photography. And there used to be like these time life books that they were beautiful. They were silver cover and they were they sort of like the history of photography or here is how, you know, proper, you know, exposure. There must have been 20 books. Well, I took out several of those books, and I did not – I lost them. All of them? No. I mean, oh. believe me, you can only take out, I think, three at a time. Oh, okay. I lost those books, and they were valuable books. And I – you know, the library was like, you lost these books. You... So I paid for these books. I think, you know, as a kid, they were – I bet you – I'm not sure what the price was, but I think they were $60 a book. Anyway, my mom passed away. We were going through her boxes. I found those books like 30 years after the fact. <laughs> that, now, that, that's a lot of fine. 30 years after the them. fact, I found those books. And so I was like, there they are. I brought them back to the Swissville Public Library. They were like, well, thanks, but we don't even have those books in circulation anymore. Nobody cares about your simple books. Right. So did you pay the $60? Yeah, of course. And I was in high school. <gasps> I was a kid in high school. And they were like, hey, sorry, man, you know, you owe this on. Okay, all right. And and those books were valuable to me as, you know, someone who loved photography. So I thought, well, somebody else is going to love those books as well. So I got to like, you know, fess up and pay. When my kids were little, I would go get the maximum number of books possible. And then you leave like 30 books. Yeah, or I think it might have been 40. How many times your kids lose books? Okay. Actually, out of all the times, it was only once and it was at my in-law's house. Now, I loved my in-laws so deeply, my mother and father-in-law, but they were two people who never made a mistake like that. Never they lost- They were super rule followers. Never lost a library book, for heaven's sake. So I realized when we got back to Pittsburgh and I returned my books that there was one missing, George and Martha, a story about two hippopotamuses who were married, could not find the book. Hmm. I had to call my mother-in-law. And ask her if she had it? Yeah. Did she? Maybe it's under the sofa. Maybe it, she was like, I'll look. Wasn't there. Mm. So I had to pay for the book, but the payment was nothing compared with the phone call the to the mother to the in laws. Oh, yeah. It was, uh-huh. I mean, she got past that, but I don't think it was easy for her. Okay, so then if if there's no fine and there's nothing to pay, so then why the do books I... have lost their value. Yes. Something that's really precious. And then you think about like you know, Andrew Carnegie and that whole library system. I'll say what you about Andrew Carnegie, and there's a lot to be said about that. But he put that in place so it lifts up the entire community and the knowledge that, you know, is being shared. Which, that's being shared. Yes. And if you keep it for too long, then I can't access it. And if I keep it for too long, the next person can't access it. So for the common good of the community at large, return these in a timely manner. And if not, there is a fine. Not to be an idiot, but just because. And we're not trying to pick on somebody. No. And we're not trying to say, well, because you're in an underserved community, no, you should be able to do something different. It's not. It's not. That's not. It's an issue of us taking care of each other. I believe that's true. Do you want to know the fine for Tell Carnegie me. Library? Tell me. Thirty cents a day. Thirty <gasps> on children's materials. It's twenty cents a day. Hmm. So George and Martha, the hippopotamuses that I lost, still accruing. Oh, we would no. Lose. It's not still accruing. I paid for it. Okay. Right. I never did find it. Yeah, I'm thinking it's two cents a day. When I bet when. <laughs> I, yeah, how old are you? We reached a certain age. Hey. Of course, when when I when they come in to to bulldoze my first floor, yeah, I bet they find Georgia Martha. Oh, well, 
Then you just keep it for your grandkids. Or I'll take it in and they'll be like, we, that's not in circulation Sorry. either, ma'am. Let's take a quick break. When we do come back, Dean Weaver is with us. You know, yesterday we spent some time talking about our first memory. Earliest spiritual memory. Yes. I think Dean may have a little something for us when we come back with that. Pick up that thread from yesterday's show. The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. Do you love to cook or have a favorite recipe that's a winner? Then you need to enter your favorite recipe sweepstakes to submit that delicious recipe. The winning submission will receive a year's worth of meats from Good Ranchers. A $1,400 value. And a $1,000 Williams-Sonoma shopping spree. Increase your chances of winning by entering once per day and completing bonus entry options. So start cooking. Enter today at wordfm.com slash contests. Remember the kids game Telephone? The teacher would whisper in the first kid's ear, I have a purple giraffe named Lucy. And then each kid would whisper that to the next kid to see if the message could make it to the end. At the end, little Johnny would of course yell out, My paper airplane is storming your Barbie castle. It's Ryan. And the point I'm trying to make is, sometimes, middlemen can create problems. At United Faith Mortgage, an important thing about us is that we have a direct lender advantage. We are an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means... Our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. For you, this often allows us to get your loan done faster. And because we lend with our company's money, we can often get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Windows R Us pittsburgh.com that is windows around pittsburgh.com covid is spiking again and it's just not clear how to keep your family safe fever is the leading symptom of covid and the only way to reliably detect it is with an accurate thermometer be vigilant and be accurate with the exergen temporal scanner whose accuracy has been proven in more than 100 clinical studies don't rely on non-contact thermometers they are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean covid learn more at exergen.com exergen is Changing the way the world takes temperature Yesterday on the show, we uh, did a phone segment. It was really fun to hear from our listeners. And the question was, what's your earliest spiritual memory? Like the thing that happened to you when you were youngest that you think was like a your first connection to God or something like that. We heard from, we heard a ton of really interesting stories. Um, I t- told about my story of growing up at Memorial Park Church in Allison Park and, you know, Easter Sunday when I was seven years old, I thought this was the day I was going to, you know, make it official. 
accept Jesus into my heart, except that I expected a trumpet, some kind of fanfare, I don't know, confetti or something. A little parade. Real real disappointment when I was greeted with silence. Anyway, but we heard a a bunch of stories, people approaching it from different directions. And so we're excited to have Dean Weaver back on the show today. Dean is the former pastor at that church, Memorial Park Presbyterian, though he wasn't there when I was seven, of course. He is now the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, and he's co-founder and former president of Edu Nations. Dean, welcome back. Thank you, Kathy, and I may be old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> right. Uh, and had I been your pastor at the time, I would have gladly provided trumpets and fanfare for you. So That's I lament the fact that that was not your experience. That's I'm okay. So That's okay. Well, moving forward, we all expect that. Yeah. Right. I, I, right. cer- I certainly That's right. learned what it was about. Yeah. So, Dean, you, right. you yourself, I mean, you when you look back, here you are, you know, you've been a pastor for decades. Was there an experience, a memory whether it was, you know, waiting for Jesus to enter into your heart and, and worrying about it, or sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to someone looking for a tract. <laughs> I mean, what was your memory? Do you have one? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church, John. So, I mean, like, in my church that I grew up in didn't have evangelical language to talk about Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and accepting Him into your heart and those kind of things. That, that was not the, the language of the church I grew up in. So, uh, like, I don't have any—I mean, I have memories of Mrs. Alton, my Sunday school teacher, teaching me the stories of Jesus and all of that. But I will tell you two stories real quick. One is kind of, uh, I hope, a little humorous. It kind of points to the fact that I was at least paying attention to see if what was going on was actually really real. Uh, And the other is is when I actually accepted Christ. Uh, That was at age 14. But if you rewind the tape a little earlier, back to when I'm like maybe five or six, um, it was a Sunday morning. I was sitting in the Weaver family appointed pew, uh, which was always dad, mom, brother, me in descending order. Uh, And I looked down the pew and and my dad wasn't there. And that was highly unusual. Um, And I said to mom, where's dad? And she shushed me. Um, And the service began and uh, he wasn't ushering. He wasn't in the choir loft. He was nowhere to be seen. I was concerned. I leaned back to my mother, and she shushed me a second time. And then as we get into the service, the pastor uh, who was up in the pulpit stopped uh, as he was about ready to read um, the Ten Commandments from Exodus, and he had a dramatic pause, and then this voice came booming out from above the choir loft, um, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And it was very dramatic, because obviously it was not the pastor's voice, it was coming from up above everybody, and it was like God had just spoken from above the choir loft. And I remember at age six, leaning over at my mom and said, hey, mom, God sounds an awful lot like dad. (laughs) (laughs) and and you know she fished me again. So uh, you know, but but I remember thinking at an early age, like, so God is a father. Um, I should expect to hear him speak when I'm in church, and why would that be so dramatic and and surprising if if that were to occur? Like that was a one of those early seeds that yeah, was kind of planted is. in me. Um, when I'm 14 years old and I'm at summer camp, and again, the camp that I went to was run by my denomination at that time, which again, didn't use that kind of language, but what they didn't realize in a moment and lapse of judgment is they hired a bunch of young life people to run the camp. Um, and so we were at a campfire at night 
and someone presented the gospel, and it was like I'd never heard it for the first time. Um, And and you kind of have this memory of, oh, yeah, God actually does speak to you. Like, that that actually does happen. And uh, we had the 20 minutes of silence, and uh, the the guy presenting said something to the effect of, um, you know, if you have other relationships that are messed up and not right, you've got to get the first relationship right before the other relationships can get right. And your first relationship was the God who made you and loved you and died for you. His name is Jesus. And you need to take some time to get into a relationship with him before you have any chance of the other relationships ever being anything close to being healthy. And I remember thinking, wow, I've got some really messed up relationships. I better, I better get that one right. And my prayer was a real simple prayer. And it was, God, if you're real, then come into my life and, and, and make yourself known to me. Be, come into my life. And, um, you know, it was emotional. I, there wasn't trumpets, Kathy, um, but, but there was a deep sense of emotions um, that I had known at that moment that uh, everything I grew up with was, was just church and knew about God, what now was real. And, and, and I, I knew him now not in my head. I knew him in my heart. And I knew that what I knew about him was actually true. And that truth was now taking up residence in me. And, uh, you know, I was a 14-year-old kid, and I, I had this profound sense of, I, I, I think something has just changed in me. Now, it didn't change overnight, didn't change all at once. All my relationships uh, didn't clean up, and I'm still working on a lot of them. Um, but the living God entered me on that day, or I acknowledged uh, and realized that he had entered me on that day. And um, it made all of my other relationships from that time forward very, very different. So no, no trumpets, but definitely 20 minutes of silence at a campfire, and I, I knew it was real. Fabulous. And, and so, Dean, those two stories, right, formative, they made you in many ways oh, yeah. the person that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, all of our stories— um, yeah. Even the ones that we've kind of long since forgotten, or are, are you know we think are insignificant, they all form and shape us. Uh, the, those we we are people formed and shaped by narrative. Um, and you know the rabbis were always calling God's people to remember. Remember when you were in Egypt. Remember when I delivered you from the hand of, of Pharaoh. Remember when I. Remember when I. Remember when I. There's always this calling back on. Um, how God has worked in our lives and, and brought us out and brought us to where we are yeah. that has formed and shaped us as his people. And, you know, it, it's it's fun and it's kind of lighthearted and, and, and playful, but it's also, I think, really important uh, to go back and remember your story because there uh, God has met you and has, uh, and has formed and shaped you. Yep. And so we live in an age now, right? Where less and less people are attending church. And so you think of those families who don't send their kids to, you know, Sunday school or Sunday worship. And it's such a, a huge missed opportunity for future generations because a lot of us, right? We took our spiritual beginnings at that early age that formed us as adults. So it does not bode well for the future of the faith here in this country as less and less people attend. Yeah, I mean, so you guys, uh, and I always appreciate your gracious introduction to me. I mean, you know, I'm heavily involved in some work in Sierra Leone, and some of the areas in the northern part of the country where we are, um, rural Muslim areas in the north part of the country, um, there are multiple denominations, churches, and, and institutions that tried to go there with evangelism and the gospel, and it never took. 
And the reason why it never took is their their strategy for evangelism was always going after the adults. And we're sustaining first-generation disciples and leaders in those communities that have never had them before because we realize you start with the kids. Like, you know, if you train up a child, maybe you've heard that somewhere before. Um, Those things are formative. They really are. And gosh, the church I went to, John, wasn't even a gospel-oriented church. It was just good people, and there were some Bible stories in there, but like, I'm not sure that a lot of those people back in that day and time actually even believed that was true. Um, But the discipline, being in the house of God, and God was faithful and showed up even when, you know, I had pastors who were preaching silliness, um, God still was there and and had his hand on me and used that formative time growing up in that church because they were good people and there were good rhythms and there were good practices um, and there were things that were there so that when the gospel did come to me, I was actually ready to receive it. Yeah. That's good. Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver's with us, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, also co-founder and former president of EduNations. Um, Dean, one thing that came kind of was a through line in the stories we heard yesterday were a bunch of people talking about they them being a kid and an adult in the church telling them something that was true, like not treating them like they were an, an insignificant child, but actually talking to them seriously about spiritual things. And right. I really, that was, I thought about that a lot last night. I was like, what an encouragement that should be to each one of us that whatever kids are in our sphere, whether they're our children or our neighbor's children or our sister's kids or the kids in our church or whatever it is, how important that is mm-hmm. to really talk yeah, to mean, a four year old like they are a, they're a co heir. Um, yeah, I, of the I can gospel. name the names, Kathy. I can name the names. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's Lanny Reed, um, it's Mark Carberry, it's Steve Jansen. Mm-hmm. It's like I could go down Kev, uh, Roy Keita. I can go down the list of the names who, you know, during coffee hour, and I'm a kid grabbing coffee and putting copious amounts of sugar in it to try to make it tolerable because I was a kid. Uh, and they didn't laugh at me. They didn't belittle me. Huh. They welcomed me. They talked to me. They entertained my questions. They were there for me. This goes to one of the five major pillars that David Kinnaman writes about in his book, Faith for Exiles. He talks about the five things necessary for building resilient disciples in the next generation, and one of them is intergenerational fellowship. Interesting. Yeah. You must have, you must have, the young ones with the old ones. The old ones need it. The young ones need it. Mm. We all need it. That's and so good. it is, it, it was the way of, it was the way of the synagogue. It yes. was the way of the temple. It was the way of our churches growing up. And today we've got, you know, children's ministries over here and youth ministries over here. We've got all these things siloed and separated. And because we're only going to willing to give God, you know, one hour a week and, and we don't, we're not all sitting together in church. We're not all actually experiencing those same things together, and those time-honored and true principles, which is intergenerational. And I'm not just making this up, and Kinnaman just did pull this out of nowhere. There's tons and tons of data that suggests that if you don't have your uh, kids in those kind of intergenerational situations, it will untether them from their faith. Mm -hmm. It just does. Boy, that's a great uh, encouragement and a warning as well, Dean. So thanks so much for that. Yep, absolutely. Our pleasure.
Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Dean, always a pleasure. Safe travels to you. We need to step away, take a quick break. But when we come back, you ever meet someone who was lifted in some way, who had something that was undefinable, a special light? I met somebody like that on Saturday. I want to talk to you about that next. It's the ride home. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel a timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare contract, or you'll pay nothing. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-786-9300. That's 800-786-9300. 800-786-9300. At Grove City College, dare I say things are back to normal? I mean, that's probably not accurate because nothing is back to normal. But just over the weekend, I was talking to some students who were on campus at Grove City and they were saying, wow, like this fall has been fun for them because there were all of these activities that have been happening that they weren't able to do last year because of COVID. Right. And like this weekend was the first football game. So the whole student body was there for a whiteout. There are all sorts of activity fairs and stuff going on with different arts groups and fraternity, sorority, whatever it is, people are living like the fun things about college. Now, the terrific thing about Grove City is last year when COVID was at its peak, there were still classes going on and there were still in-person classes going on. So the relationships that students were able to have with professors, I mean, it was different because of masking and all of that, but it still happened. And that's really wonderful thing. Um, But a lot of the social things didn't happen. And that is kind of coming around again this year in spite of the continuing threat from COVID. And I really think that's because of the commitment of the leaders and the administration at the campus wanting to do the very best they can for the kids that are there. If you've got a kid, you're interested in a university setting that is of high integrity, look at Grove City College, gcc.edu. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. You can always find people who are helping. Thank you to all the first responders who put their lives in danger to help us when my brothers and sisters need them. We look out for the helpers because they look out for us. Learn how you can help first responders by texting BRAVE to 24365. Tonight we'll see mostly cloudy skies. It will be mild with a low of 61. Tomorrow, remaining warm with more clouds than sunshine. You can expect a brief afternoon shower for tomorrow. We'll reach a high of 77. Some sunshine on tap for Friday, then it will turn cloudy with a couple of showers in the afternoon. Friday will reach a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 
past June, we were invited to this fabulous wedding. Man, was it great. I mean, how many times you go to a wedding and you go, oh, that was okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, Julie and Robert Patsko, their wedding was just off the charts fun. What a blast. I mean, a gorgeous setting. It was outdoors and just so many people showed up and danced and sang. And just it was a really, it was sort of like, you know, an explosion at a COVID party. One of those kind of things. So on a follow-up to that, we were invited to a party again, the Patsco family. And had I known that they were such party people, I mean, I've been hanging out with these guys for decades. But we went to a party on Saturday night. And who's there but Robert and Julie Patsco. But I met the family of the bride, which I, in my ignorance, did not engage with at that incredible wedding in June. So I'm talking to uh, Stephen Leindecker, and he's the father of the bride. We're having a conversation. He's a listener. You're talking about, you know, this is how this works, and, you know, explaining, you know. Wait, this is how what works? You know, the show. Oh. Just talking about, hey, he was like, oh, my gosh, hey, you know, I know you from the radio, so we're talking. Okay. And back and forth, back and forth. All of a sudden, at his side, who shows up? Aubrey Leindecker, and she's Stephen and Angela's daughter. And you know when somebody, there's somebody who shows up, and it's something that's, you can't define what that is. There, There's a special kind of light or fun, I would say, um, an essence. And that's Aubrey, uh, Aubrey Leindecker, just fabulous. So later on, you know, uh, Stephen's telling me, uh, Aubrey, she loves to dance and sing. She performs with the family. She, she's a joy, a blessing to all of us. She always keeps us laughing. So I've been thinking about that. God's gift to us in the form of people who are just lifted somehow. Light, kind, just the essence of the beauty of God's creation. So, Aubrey, hmm. hi to you, Aubrey. <laughs> it was wonderful to meet you and your mom and dad and your sister, and it's just a really cool thing, the way that God is working in your life. So, I appreciate it. Aubrey Leindecker, just fabulous. Really good. Keep it going on. We're going to take a break. When we come back, how do you disciple your church on social media. Can you do that? How do you disable your church about social media? Especially with the news about Facebook this past week. Right. And that whole mess. That's a weird area to do that. 101.5 WORD. I won! I won! And we want you to win, too. So sign up to receive our contests and sweepstakes update. Each Friday, you can see new opportunities to win. We regularly give out prizes from books, music, and merchandise to household items, even vacation trips or car payments. Stay up on all the fun. Subscribe to our contests and sweepstakes update, mailed each Friday. Sign up today at wordfm.com slash subscribe. To be or not to be, if that's your pest question, get 
the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Booze respects bees until they become a stinging problem for homeowners. Boo and his Bug Stoppers team can safely remove wasps, hornets, carpenter, and ground bees with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get a free quote today. When it comes to getting the buzz on bees, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. It's time to break out to break through. The past year has been rocky for families across our nation, but your involvement makes a difference. Help Cornerstone TV pass on the hope of Jesus during our Breakout to Breakthrough broadcast. Featuring Kanan Bridges, Sean Smith, Matt Sorger, Jane Hammond, and Jay Gilbert. Watch Monday through Friday, October 11th through the 15th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. That's Pittsburgh Channel 40 or Channel 5 on Verizon and Comcast. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7-365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Are you the type of person that values hand-built quality? Do you shop with local businesses because you know your purchase supports your neighbors? Or maybe you research before making a purchase because you know better than to trust the marketing hype. If any of this sounds familiar, you just might be an Original Mattress Factory customer. At OMF, we value our amazing customers and work hard to exceed their expectations every day. Visit an OMF store near you or OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Pastor, reserve your free tickets now for the 15th annual Word FM Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Greentree. Senior and associate pastors and their spouses are invited to experience this day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. Reservations are required. Your free tickets are available now at wordfm.com pastors. Well, Facebook has been all over the news in the last, I guess, the conversation has been going on for a while. About but a week the, or so. But really... yeah, but the in-depth story started with the Wall Street Journal, you know, five-day, uh, I, I don't want to call it an expose, but a, a deep dive. Let's call it a deep dive. Right. That someone who used to work at Facebook left the company and took some 10,000 pages right. of documents. Now, at the time that that Wall Street Journal peer, piece, those pieces started... I didn't realize that it was coming from one person. I knew that they had sources. Right. But now we find out, of course, who the source was, and now she's been testifying before Congress Holy the last two smokes. days. Um, Isn't that something, the speed at which something happens? I know. Right? There, there she is on Thursday in the Wall Street Journal, and then on Sunday night, there's a 60-minute piece, mm-hmm. and then the following day, she's testifying before Congress about right. Facebook. Right. It gives you pause, doesn't it? I mean, if you- it does, and especially you know, we all. I mean, it's not a surprise to anybody who's involved in social media that the people who are running the social media are doing what they can to keep you on the social media, right? Like, I think we all figure that out. Yeah. But what her testimony brought out that was particularly damning is that the company knew how polarizing and uh, and hurtful it was 
to the self-images, especially of young girls, and actually upped their efforts to keep the polarization going, keeping young girls engaged so that they could increase their right. profits. To young girls, to the nation as a whole, right. to you know, upset the apple cart of politics, which we've all been part of. Eugene Park is with us. Eugene's associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast we love called Off the Pulpit. Hey, Eugene, how you doing? Hey, good to see you guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is something, right? I, again, like none of us are surprised that social media is addictive and that, you know, they want us to stay on longer than we should stay on and that we do end up staying on and we're doom scrolling when we should be in bed. Like, we know all that stuff. But this current testimony that we're hearing there's a, that's a that's a targeted attack from the people who are running the company to those of us who are using it yeah yeah i, I think i sorry i joined a little bit late but it sounds like you're talking about the leaks yep. um or recently yeah I, I do think it's alarming but not surprising um and i don't think we should be surprised like it's not something that is oh my goodness this came right. out of the woods i think even if you are parents even as parents of young young children three and two who can operate an iphone much smoother than my grandparents or my parents can uh, is alarming, right? And uh, <clears throat> I do think, though, you know, the, uh, one side of it is I do think, although it's alarming, I think the way that it is being handled uh, on a governmental level, on a congressional level, also just shows that the huge gap in the actual knowledge and wisdom of how to deal with social media. And it's almost a reflection, I think, of the church, too, in how we can handle social media as disciples and the church. Yeah. Okay, so then, Eugene, there you are, pastor. And I'm sure many in your congregation are just engaged, as you and I are, and Kath. So how do you disciple your congregants on the effectiveness of social media? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an answer. I think it's a conversation that we need to start having a little bit more. I, I do think that there was a binary in how we responded to social media and how it can still kind of be pigeonholed that whether it's good or bad, um, whether they're mm-hmm. toxic effects or just, hey, let's use it as a blessing. But the, the thing is, with, with almost anything uh, it, kind of in the world, it, it, there's a huge gray area. I mean, even the fact that we're talking that was a connection made through social media. Yeah, and I think one right. thing, especially as a pastor in Silicon Valley, and you know, it's interesting having people at my church coding these things and maybe even coding certain lines that make it more algorith- al- an algorithm of, of addiction, um, that they struggle with this too. And I think if it's just, hey, this is bad, it, it doesn't really put forth some wisdom. So I think the bigger question, I guess the bigger step back that we need is, how do we view social media as a whole? Um, I think that's a question that needs to be asked with the church because I think the binary response, whether, you know, hey, mega church, you know, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill did a really good job of documenting this the last episode, that it can be used just for kind of pure spectacle. The other side is just, hey, let's just disregard it all and like fast it forever. I think there's a healthy medium to be had uh, just given our, our current moment. Yeah. So if we are going to try to avoid the, that, binary assessment, good or bad, in social media, which I, I think you're wise to do that because in just watching, and this happens in, in congressional testimony all the time, regardless of what the issue is, all of a sudden now, Facebook is the reason for every bad thing we've done. Right. So whatever I've done, I'm going to blame on Facebook. Whatever you've done, I'm going to blame on Facebook. The whole yeah. dissolution of America, we're going to blame on, now we're going to blame everything on Facebook. Well, Facebook is a mirror of who we are. It's like we get mad at who our politicians are, except the reason we have those politicians is because we're the ones. I mean, we are the 
the the pool from which our politicians come. So we don't like our politicians. We don't like us. Um, so anyway, I think that that it's easy to just put all like again. It's our it, it, it's our longing to say that the evil's out there. You know, it's over there. It's in that person. It's in that organization. It's harder to say it's in us. And Facebook's just revealing it to us. No, I think that's exactly well put, Kathy. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show Black Mirror. A little darker. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've episodes. never seen that. Yeah. And it's a little darker. Basically, it's a show on technology and just kind of yeah. the effects and dangerous side effects of it. And my friend actually wrote a really good piece, I think, on the Gospel Coalition a really long time ago about how, look, Black Mirror, every episode isn't about the dangerous technology. It's about the mirror that it shows within our own soul. Mm. That the reason you're scrolling is because there's something not satisfied in you that maybe you haven't fully turned to God. The reason why a lot of men, you know, turn to, to porn at night on their computers with much more access and, and you know, even women uh, than ever before isn't just we can't just blame the technology advancing, there's also this innate evil, as you said, sinful desire in all of us. And I think that's the one helpful approach to view social media rather than saying, hey, let's just blame all of our problems of our kids, of our society, although some of it might be true on social media. Can we see it as a mirror? Like, yeah. you know, like maybe it's actually a reflection of this is where our soul has been going as a communal level and that that's much more alarming to see. Yeah. I mean, that's really true, right? You've got to take responsibility for yourself. We just can't say, oh, it's the boogeyman in the corner that made me do it, right? I mean, it, it's a matter of, uh, you know, being a good parent, uh, learning a skill set. Hopefully your parents pass that along to you. So when it's time for you to raise your kids, you've got that in mind. But um, it's just not, you know, it's not them. It's really what you're saying, Eugene. It's us. Yeah. No, I think, you again, you put it better than I could. And I think one thing that we can do, because in essence, a lot of the younger generation, even younger than myself, uh, mainly Gen Z, they're living in – this isn't a question of whether we should do it or not anymore. It is a part of our lives, and yeah. that is a reality that we're going to have to face. It's not face. going away. No, and I think there is a lack of dialogue because for a lot of younger Christians that I meet, they're often ridiculed or scapegoated. Or, or characterized as a certain, you know, oh, a Gen Zer, you're just lazy and on your phone. And, I, you know, the congressional hearings on this were actually a, a huge, you know, just kind of scoping. I, I forget which congressman it was, but he was kind of thinking that. I don't know if you know the term Finsta, mm. but Finsta is the term that young people make fake Instagram accounts that isn't really them, but kind of use that, you know, for various reasons. And the congressman thought, oh, Finsta was an actual part of Instagram. And there was just this huge disconnect that you could see between the tech, tech executives that just realized they have no idea what they're talking about. Right, right. And the congressmen who see all these dangers, but have never really had dialogue with the younger generation who are living in this. And I think a second step that we need to take is just more dialogue with our Gen Zer Christians, sons and daughters. Not just, hey, don't do that, but ask them, well, why is it you go on your phone? What is it that you feel? Why do you create fake accounts? I think the answers are actually more enlightening than damning yeah okay all right so that's going to require more effort on our part to have those conversations especially with kids in our lives um with if we don't have kids with other people in our communities or churches or whatever if we don't know that if we don't know what finsta is or whatever that's just an exa this one example if you don't know what something is there's no harm in asking and saying so what about that 
You know, like, so why do you, why do you do that? What do you like about that without being judgy? And that's so weird that you do that without giving that kind of like moral judgment to it, just going to somebody, a kid and saying, so why do you like that? But you know what? People would say, well, if I don't have kids who are that, you know, Gen Z age or grandkids, it doesn't really affect me. So why should I care? Yeah, but it affects everybody. Does it really affect everybody? Yes, I think it does affect everybody because I think that what this is showing us is that social media is impacting the whole culture that we live in. Yeah, I I believe you had the author of Breaking the Social Media Prism on. Uh, Great author. I love that book. And I think that book is, I wish um, every millennial, Gen X and boomer Christian could read that book. Because I think it actually kind of depicts what social media has become. It is not a pastime that people use to just kind of get away right. from their lives. It's an identity formational process. Identity and and that, that's, that's dangerous, yeah, you is, know. Yeah. But again, there's some good to be aided in that. Because with Instagram, with Facebook, even, you know, the Gospel Coalition, um, Desiring God, these publications, without the use of these mediums, they couldn't help form the identities of others across the screen. Right. So it's just a give and take with everything. And and look, if you don't have kids or, you know, it's we're a body. Um, I think Paul calls us to be a family. And that ins, ins, insinuates that every Christian in your local church, there are for sure younger Christians in your pews. Yeah. And I think it's paramount for the body, not just for yourself. I understand. I, I'm I, Even for me, I'm 30 years old and I'm way past all these new trends coming up. And I'm not asking everyone to, you know, just, hey, know what TikTok's going on, what songs are hit, and what dances are pop. I can't even do that. But having conversations just about how these younger Christians are dealing with, because I think social media, again, is more of a symptom than the actual problem itself, if that makes sense. That does make yeah, sense. It does. That's really good. Thanks, Eugene. Hey, uh, before you leave us, talk to us for a second about Off the Pulpit. Yeah, uh, we just have a lot of interviews coming up. A great pastor and author even about this is a pastor by the name of John Mark Comer in Portland. Sure. He read a, wrote a great book called Ruthless Omission of a Hurry. We're actually having him on next week to talk about his new book, Live No Lies. So if you are interested in that, we have a great conversation. So we'd love for you to listen on. Uh, just tune in Terrific. in our podcast. Excellent. Well, thanks for being a part of this conversation, Eugene. Good to see you again. Of course. Good to see you guys. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, Eugene Park. Associate Pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast called Off the Pulpit. Hey, have you heard the story about the guy missing, looking for himself? Danny Gokey is bringing the Stand in Faith Tour to your city with special guest Colton Dixon. Don't miss out on this fun night. I was standing Join Danny Gokey in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Bible Chapel on Friday, October 22nd. That's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on October 22nd. Tickets are on sale now and going fast, so don't wait. Get more information at TransparentProductions.com. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. For example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza sheets. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great specials. That's 800-391-0954. 
Use promo code WORD. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Looking for a holiday job or seasonal work? It's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Visit ExpressPros.com to find your local office and let them help you find a job. No fees for job seekers. ExpressPros.com. Word FM presents our 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, 12 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Greentree. A free event open to all senior and associate pastors and their spouses. Come experience a day of gratitude, fellowship, and encouragement. Tuesday, October 19th, featuring keynote speaker, Pastor Jack Graham, host of PowerPoint, heard daily on this station. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. Reservations are required. To attend, reserve your free tickets now at wordfm.com pastors trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Pittsburgh, one of America's top 10 most livable cities. We're also on another top 10 list you might be less familiar with, human trafficking, where women are enslaved and sold like property in the criminal sex trade. But the good news is that Refuge for Women is now here in our city, the largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, providing up to two years of safe housing and round-the-clock care for women escaping sexual exploitation. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org slash Pittsburgh. construction worker who had been reported missing spent hours with a search party looking for himself last week. <laughs> Relatives of Behan Mutlu from Turkey reportedly became concerned when he did not return home after a festive night out with his friends in the Bursa province in Turkey. Where are you reading this from? I'm reading this from um, CBS News. Okay. His wife was unable to reach him on his cell phone. And officials in the town were advised that his friends lost him after he wandered into a forest. So a search party was sent for, and Mutlu joined the volunteers in looking through the woods, according to CBS News. (laughs) During the hours-long search, in the dark of the night, a potential rescuer shouted Mutlu's name. It was then that Mutlu himself realized the search party was looking for him. He said... Who are we looking for? I am here. It was then that the searchers turned to him and said, we have found you. (laughs) Good grief. Okay, I have so many questions. Yes. How did he not, he just decided to join a random search party? Well, you can bet that there was alcohol involved. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Right? That he went out with his friends. Yeah. Had a few too many. Heard that somebody was missing. Then wandered into a forest where the search party was active, and whether he was himself still actively involved in drunkenness or perhaps hungover, thought he would just do a good deed and mm-hmm. started to search for himself. But he didn't realize. No, until they were calling out his name, and then okay, he realized. Then I want to know that the type of of blowback he was subjected to once all the people in the search party realized that not only was he fine, but he was searching next to them. We have found you, they proclaimed. (laughs) And you're a moron. (laughs) Right. 
Uh, yes. Uh-huh. I don't know. That's good. I like that story, John. Yes. Uh-huh. That's a, that could be my favorite story of the day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like it. You can't make Moot-loo. these things up, can you? Mootloo? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mootloo, yeah. where are you? Yeah. Where are you, Mootloo? I am here. We have found you. <laughs> <laughs> and can we all go to bed now? <laughs> Please. Moot. Hey, we podcast, right? On YouTube. Pick your platform. It's all over. You can also watch the video on YouTube. Very nice. The word Pittsburgh. The word Pittsburgh. Thanks for being with us. As always, have yourself a a restful evening. We'll see you tomorrow, Governor. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.